Welcome to another episode of Odyssey Muse. I'm John Jerko, and this is a podcast where we explore adventure, creativity, and living life without a map. In this episode, I'll be talking with my friend, Britt George. He's a producer and actor living in Los Angeles. Some of the shows he's acted on include True Blood, Dexter, and Boston Legal. This last year, he was the lead in the History Channel show Cryptid as Luke Batiste. We're going to dig into life in the biz, so let's get to it. All right, welcome to the show, Britt. Thanks for doing this. Hey, thank you. Wow, you know my bio better than I do. <laughs> so uh, how is it out in L.A. right now? It's nice and sunny and warm there? Oh, it's gorgeous. Couldn't be any better. The sun's shining bright, and it's about 65 degrees. Oh, man. And it's, it so bad. it's February. <laughs> yeah. God, I miss it. Um, maybe let's start out with how we met on the set of Heels. Uh, I was I was working as assistant camera, and you were producing and kind of co-starring in that with your buddy Ryan Batiglieri. Maybe uh, talk about what that, give like a little log line or a short description about what the film is and kind of your part in it and how it came about, if you wouldn't yeah. mind. Yeah, sure. Uh, Heels was a movie, it's, uh, it's about adopted brothers who moonlight as tag team wrestlers to save their, their family business. And it was really interesting because Ryan and I are the kind of guys we like to... Um, instead of sitting around waiting for somebody to call and offer us a job, we like to come up with our own things. Mm-hmm. And we had produced and uh, Ryan was a star in a film called trim that we had done several years before. And when we were finishing that up, we said, what's next. Yeah. And one of the ideas that we came up with was, um, uh, guys that were, were wrestlers and we were intrigued with the whole wrestling heel thing, guys that could be, you know, the bad guys, you know? The, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of the definition of a heel in wrestling is the guy that kind of plays the bad guy or the guy that's going to get booed. <laughs> exactly. And as, you know, so that's where we were, that's where we were going with the idea. Mm-hmm. And, and the more we talked about it and went into it, it just sort of evolved into that's who these guys are in life. Uh, Ryan, you know, wrote the script and he did a great job with yeah. it. But it's, it's uh, just to be a part of the whole process and see it evolve into what it did about the adopted brothers and, um, you know, where where it ends up going with, uh, you know, the kind of heels that these guys are. And, you know, you, you know the secret. I don't know how much I should reveal yet, but. Yeah, yeah, you don't, you don't have to give too much. But uh, it, was, it was definitely a fun shoot to work on, and the whole cast was a blast, and uh, we had a good time. Do you... Do you know how you guys got Richard? Maybe tell a little story about how you guys got Richard really to work on it and Brian or uh, Brazen Cyrus as well. Yeah, you know it's really interesting um, when you're making an independent film on in these budget ranges. You have to you know get to the people that you know personally, mm-hmm. um, or I mean you could do the the formal thing and make an offer to an agent. And just more often than not, the agents particularly aren't that interested in having their guys go and work on a film that really pays nothing. Yeah. So what we did is um, uh, one of the actors, um, Chip Jocelyn, there was a role that was written for him with him in mind. So he knew the script inside and out. Uh-huh. And he he had an idea for a buddy of his, Richard, that he had worked with on another project. He said he thought Richard would be great to play our dad in the movie. And, uh, we just, we said, you know what, that's a fantastic idea. So we called his agent because that's what he said to do. Chip Mm -hmm. called Richard and Richard said, yeah, I'm really, I'm interested, but you have to send it through my agent. So we, you know, took the, the right roads and Richard said, yeah, I'll do it. You know, I've got a window of time. 
and it was it was really a big win for us because yeah. he brought so much to it and he's you know a lot of people don't know his name but as soon as they see his face they're oh, like yeah. oh that guy office space <laughs> right yeah. yeah he's been in so much i mean i was looking at his bio the other day and he he is a working man <laughs> he's been in yes. tons and tons of movies yeah I, he works nonstop. Yeah. he's just such a such a great great guy and it was really interesting because i was shooting the series down in new orleans and mm-hmm. i wrapped on a friday and i had to drive back to los angeles to make it so that we could start shooting this on monday oh, that's right yeah and so you, was I, that that cryptid show that you were you were working on at that time yeah okay, yeah, yeah it was the cryptid for the history channel and mm-hmm. so i got in i think it was on saturday night i was just exhausted from you know driving straight through like that and we were on set as you know that's that's when i met you in person on set and what like six o'clock seven o'clock in the morning and then richard (laughs) shows up he shows up 30 minutes before his call time we're not really ready yeah and the guy was such a trooper he's out there helping us move you know that old rusty car that we had to push out of the way yeah yeah he was helping push that thing (laughs) Yeah, I look to my left and there's Richard. I'm like, no, no, Richard, you go in the house. He goes, no, I'm here. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, he's and, awesome like that. He's definitely down to earth guy and willing to pitch in. Yeah, such a great guy. What's What's the story with Brayson? How'd you guys get him? That's Miley Cyrus's brother, which I yeah, didn't we, I didn't realize until like three days in. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> uh, that That was funny. And Brayson and um, uh, Richard. Uh, Brazen's dad, Billy Ray, had just done a movie with Richard, really. So, oh, really? Know, so they already kind of knew each other a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So there was That's that cool. whole six degrees of separation. But we yeah. got Brazen. Uh, Ryan uh, was working as a personal trainer, and Brazen was a client of his. And when Brazen was, you know, I guess he was probably like 13 years old at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, just ha- had a relationship with him. And he was that role that he played was actually based on you know his life uh-huh. you know so, some of his experiences and mm-hmm. some of the stories that he shared with with ryan you know went straight into the script so nobody better to play that role than him yeah exactly yeah there was there was some good chemistry between everyone i i, I think it worked out really well there was some some big laughs <laughs> yeah it was i can't wait till we get the the blooper reel out because i don't know if you remember that day in the kitchen it was uh oh, ryan yeah. mm-hmm. myself it was just, it, it was a that blast. Was so you, you have laughs like that when there's a good chemistry going. Are you able to give us an idea of like where, what, where you guys are at in terms of progress or a possible sure. release or anything? Or Yeah. When you make a low budget film like this, it's, you know, a lot of times you're pulling favors by getting people to work for a reduced rate. And, you know, this is one of those cases. So we, we finished the film to our liking, and we did a test screening. Uh, did a few test screenings, mm-hmm. and um, everything that was clear to us wasn't necessarily clear to the audience. So we had to listen to them and uh, go in and clarify some stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where we are. So in the last few weeks here, we just did some pickup shots and um, just some insert shots and some new scenes. Actually, just a couple new scenes. Really simple, just to help clarify the beginning of the story for who, yeah, who would. This this isn't anything new, as you know. Yeah, to definitely. to independent films. I mean, you know, big big budget movies do it all the time, so we're no different. But we did get a really good response to some of the relationships, and you know, you know who these guys were and what uh-huh. they were doing. 
Well, people responded well to that and some of the surprises that they get seeing these guys as wrestlers and, 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 you know, some of that stuff, but that's good to hear. Yeah. yeah, So we're excited. So we were getting that stuff into the movie and we're, and between that and the score and sound design and then color. So we're thinking by May. Oh, awesome. Lucky. We'll, we'll have our product and, you know, ready to take it out to the world. Yeah, I'm really excited to see it. Anyways, that's I think that's the first feature I sh- I worked on out in L.A. Actually, so was it really? One. Yeah, yeah. Hey, everybody's in focus. You did a great oh, job. Awesome. That's a good <laughs> good thing to hear. Yeah, I didn't I didn't get any calls like, hey, uh, what were you doing there? <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh-huh. So, do you notice anything different between working on like these independent features that you and Ryan do compared to having like a big budget crew around or anything? What's what what do you notice that's different? You know, I used to say the food, but... Uh, in, we in had this, some awesome food on that set. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we had an amazing chef that, you know, catered the whole thing, who's a good friend of ours. And, yeah. and um, yeah, so the food, but, you know, sometimes we, there's more trucks on the big budget mm-hmm. shoots, you know, more trucks. Um, you know, when I worked on True Blood, I remember I show up and they've got, we're out in the middle of nowhere, Lake Piru, which is about 30 miles outside of Los Angeles. And they had this trailer that extended into a double wide trailer. Yeah. And when you got inside, it was actually a cafeteria. And outside oh, wow. of that trailer, they had this huge barbecue grill. And as we showed up to work, they were making hamburgers and chicken sandwiches <laughs> and stuff to start your day because it was a night shoot you know so if it was breakfast they would have been making eggs and Mm -hmm. you know mcmuffins and stuff like that so you know the the food's really different and the the pay is better yeah definitely as far as the creative aspect goes i've you know when i first got involved i just wanted to do big budget movies and it was you know it was the 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 romance of all the movies that Mm -hmm. i've watched just wanting to be a part of that and the the my earlier tastes when i first started was working on some you know bigger budget projects you know be it commercials television shows or whatnot but then as we started getting into independent films there was less people involved and less less trucks less lights and stuff like that but just the creative input that you get to put into that far outweighs you know being a, a part of a you know, a smaller part of a bigger picture yeah, you know, yeah. a big budget movie. So it's, I, I really like the indie world a lot. It, and, it's always nice to have more money because it's, it's great to be able to pay your friends more and people that you want to work with and, and reach, um, you know, be able to, you know, pe- pay people's quotas. Yeah, exactly. You know, quotes rather, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, I noticed that there, it seems like there's definitely a camaraderie with the smaller crews too, you know, um, there's, there's not so much, at least on a lot of the stuff I've worked on, there's not like a power struggle between people and like, you know, people with big heads, everyone's kind of there to help out. And, you know, everyone does a little more outside of their job title just to get things done. So that's kind of another benefit of the indie low budget stuff. Yeah, they, they do. And, you know, even with the big budget stuff, I, I still feel like there's, you're always kind of racing the clock no matter Mm -hmm. what. Yeah, it doesn't you matter know? how much money. There's always that pressure. <laughs> yeah, there's there's just always pressure. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, when you're an actor on a big budget thing, usually you're waiting in a trailer, you mm-hmm. know, because you don't want to take up too much space while they're doing their thing, and you wait in a trailer for for eight hours, um, you know, for them to get, you know, get a scene lit. And it always takes them so much longer to light the big budget. Oh yeah, I can imagine because they have that ability. Uh huh. You know, well, but we've then got when two thousand lights to set up, so let's figure out where to put. Them. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And then it just, you know, and then when it's time to go, though, when they need you as an actor, it's, you know, you got to go. It's the yeah, hurry up yeah. and wait business, exactly. and it's sort of the same in the independent stuff. You know, mm-hmm. it's just I just feel like there's, you know, you have less to work with, so you have to use uh, your imagination more to be creative with, to work with what you've got. Yeah, exactly. You know, and there's a big focus on story. Yeah, I have all this stuff for uh, effects. Uh, just different different types of constraints, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So let's go back to maybe early life. Um, just when you were, maybe when you were young. I mean, when did you have the desire always to act or to be in film or where? How did this all start for you? Yeah, you know, it's. It, it, I guess there was like a weird epiphany moment probably when I was 12 uh-huh. and, uh, and I, I put all the pieces together when I was 12. I remember there was this uh, TV show on, it was called silver spoons. And there was that actor like Rick Schroeder, Ricky Schroeder, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember all the girls liked that guy and it was fun to make fun of him, And it was fun to make fun of that show because I'm like, come on, you know, <laughs> who's, who's that guy? And then, and yeah, I would catch the show on every now and then. And I would think, oh, interesting. And then one Saturday afternoon, there was a show, a, a movie on called the champ. Mm-hmm. And the champ was the same actor, Rick Schroeder. And I saw him. I, I saw like something different. I saw like, like an actor. I saw this, this kid playing this role and I was yeah. really moved and touched by it and i remember thinking wow i want to do that so then i became fascinated with that show and i started watching that show all the time and mm-hmm. you know realizing that he was an actor and saying lines and and doing that and i saw other movies that he did and i and we were roughly the same age so i think that's kind of who i gravitated yeah. towards and i no longer made fun of him <laughs> and thought he was thought he was just a great actor and then what you know so that that was at 12 and then i realized even before that i was always playing you know i was always the kid you know playing superman and mm-hmm. doing school plays at at school and did you do getting, some early on then some school I, plays i did yeah it, it was in the second grade i went to uh, i was my first day at a new school and i remember we're in the cafeteria Mm-hmm. that day and that's where the stage happened to be and the sixth graders were putting on a play and i'm pretty sure they had somebody wired up if if i if my memory serves me right they had somebody wired and they were kind of like flying oh, like, cool. <laughs> across the stage i thought it was the coolest thing and they were singing this song you know step on the crack you break your mother's back mm-hmm. and i just remember thinking that was the coolest thing ever and I went to another school shortly after that and they were doing a school play and I auditioned for it and I got a role and in the Halloween play. And then a couple months later they did the uh, Christmas play and I got a role in that. Nice. And so I felt like the pieces were kind of lining up even before that. And um, my mother and I were at the public public library one time. She was always, you know, taking me to the library and I was sitting there and they were shooting a, 
a commercial for PBS and um, um, they asked if I could be a part of that. So had no interest in being an actor as a kid, just yeah. the pieces were kind of there. Yeah, it was and, just kind of something fun to do and cool and it just kept getting yeah. roles and building from there. Exactly. And then, you know, what really put it into effect, what made it happen. So I said, you know, the, how that kid, uh, Ricky Schroeder gave me, you know, put an awareness on what an actor did. Mm -hmm. But my, my mother was doing a commercial down at one of the local NBC affiliates. Oh, wow. At that same time frame, And it was for missing children. My sister was, uh, one of like a missing kid that my dad had taken her years prior and my mom was involved with these found Adam oh, Walsh really? foundation wow. yeah, looking for her. And so, you know, it's not like we walked around sad all the time. We were just, you know, doing yeah, what, yeah. what we what needed to do, what she needed to do. And we happened to be inside the studio one day and they put the camera on me. And, you know, I remember the lady that was directing the commercial, you know, commenting on, you know, my camera presence uh -huh. and, you know, and, you know, just finding some, maybe a, a joy enjoying uh the attention from that yeah yeah and that really i i can tell you right now from that moment on i never looked back i just i knew i was going to be an actor so going into high school were you focusing on like doing theater and stuff and did you know you wanted to go to school for this or you know how did you end up going from like grade school being interested in this having fun doing plays to getting real jobs what was kind of the in-between yeah, yeah, that's so. That's such a good question because, you know, I say from that moment I never looked back. But going through junior high school and high school, I was I was kind of a shy guy. I played sports and I wanted to be an actor, but mm -hmm. I guess I was a closeted actor. I it wasn't the cool thing to do in in a public school. So I would take a drama class in high school, and I would and and i would write my own scripts and i would study and i'd have my grandmother do um read scenes with me oh that's awesome uh, yeah but i never wanted anybody outside of our circle to know that and really? yeah and i remember um i remember talking with um a, a close family friend one time and he said you know i i, I would uh, I, I said i want to take an acting class and he says well if you want to take an acting class you got to just go take an acting class. You'll take the city bus there. You'll make uh -huh. it happen. And, and, uh, so finally I did take an acting class at a place called the buffet Epson center. Buddy Epson from the Beverly Hillbillies was also, uh, from Orlando and they had a little community theater. Oh, cool. He didn't teach yet, but they, they were using his name mm -hmm. and they had gymnastics and karate and theater. So I went and took one acting class there when I was 15 but I still kept it, you know, on the down low yeah. until I was 19. How did the and class go, though? Were, were you into it? Did you actually enjoy it? it? You, you know what? When At that age, when I'd get around a lot of theater people, mm -hmm. you know, their personalities were so big. They could all sing and dance, and they'd do these monologues, and they were big and loud and, yeah. and powerful. And I, I was intimidated by it, I guess. So I, I would do my thing, but, I, you know, it was hard as a kid seeing that because, uh, because, you know, you, it, it's so interesting to me because so many people, they want to do things, but they're, they're fearful. Mm -hmm. You know, they, you know, you have these, uh, introverted people that want to, they want to participate and do, do something, you know, conquer a fear, but they'll, they'll find reasons not to. Yeah. So you have the drive to, 
to do that thing, but when it comes to doing it, you got a lot of anxiety. <laughs> yeah. Like the fear of actually performing. Did you have like, any kind of stage fright, or was it more of just the, like the fear of your peers kind of seeing you do the acting, I guess? It was probably more about the peers. Yeah. You know, I, I grew up with a bunch of kids. We were playing baseball and egg in houses and, uh-huh. and you know, getting beer whenever we could, you know. So... <laughs> So me talking about being an actor was something. Just didn't seem macho enough for that crew. <laughs> yeah. So I, I didn't talk about it too much. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. So um, so you said uh, this at 19 you were? Was... At, at 19, that's when I just, I had a thought mm-hmm. to my with myself. I said, you know, if, if you're going to do this, you're going to have to do it. You're going to have to really learn how to to be an actor yeah you know what it what it takes and you're gonna have to move forward what's it gonna take and i i had um a flyer had you know come across to to my attention somehow and there was a an acting class going on at edgewater high school in orlando and it was at nighttime and it was one of those like ten dollar community theater deals yeah I, i i don't remember all the details but so i went and signed up for that and I got sick the night of our first class and had to get up and do a monologue. And oh, I almost used that as a, you know, I had a fever and I was going to use that as an yeah. excuse not to do it. And I, I made myself stick, stick with it and, you know, did the monologue. I don't even remember what the monologue was, but I really never looked back um, from putting myself out there mm-hmm. and really just, you know, trying to conquer whatever fears, you know, you know, and I feel like those fears were usually, you know, other people's judgments and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. So once uh, you made any, the decision that this is really what you want to do is like a career, then you kind of just went for it and pushed through those fears. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I remember, you know, going to that acting class, even, you know, a buddy of mine, he's going, Oh, Brit's got to go to his acting class. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah. Kind of <laughs> making help. fun. Yeah. yeah. So, but at the time I just thought you can't care. You have to go yeah. and, uh, and do it. And, you know, so, so, so yeah, it ended up being really good. And then there was, you know, I went to a community college there in Orlando and they, and I took a great acting class with a lady there and being in Orlando, we had, um, you know, they had just built universal studios there. Mm-hmm. And so it was attracting a lot of very talented actors and teacher types and, you know, television shows and stuff like that. So I, I got exposure to some, some really good teachers because of that. That's awesome. So how did that lead? You, you you started working in Orlando, right, before you moved to Los Angeles? Yeah, I did. Kind of talk about the beginning of your, your working career. How did um, you start getting gigs? Yeah, you know, so I was taking an acting class at uh, a place called the Actors Studio in Orlando, and um, we had an agent night. And when we had that agent night, I ended up getting – an interview with her to go in and, and do a monologue for her. And I'll never forget um, when I went in, I did this monologue that Kevin Spacey before he blew up and was, you know, very famous. Uh-huh. He'd, he'd done this monologue about being a, I think, I think the movie was called the ref and he was ta- He was held prisoner by Dennis Leary. And he was talking about, you know, you don't think I have regrets not having the body of a 19 year old rock star. And he's very angry and, <laughs> and yelling uh, well at the time 
yeah, I wasn't a rock star, but at the time I did have the body of a 19 year old, you know, I was, yeah, I yeah. was fit and working out and that's, that's really, you know, kind of what I did. I was really in the martial arts and all that and, and taking care of myself physically. And I remember I go in and, and to do this monologue, you know, who do you look at? Well, I'm looking at this agent who's sitting across the desk from me and mm-hmm. I'm yelling at her. You don't think I don't want the body of a 19 year old rock star and just getting up <laughs> in her face and doing all this crazy stuff. And then when I was, when I was done, she looks at me and says, wow, well, you were very angry in that. <laughs> and, and she signed me. Thank goodness. Oh, that's and awesome. I have a feeling she signed pretty much everybody that was fortunate enough to get a meeting with her. Um, I didn't get a lot of auditions from her, but I did get a few and I was real fortunate yeah. to get those. So how, and, just, just pausing for a second, how did you prepare for maybe an audition back then compared to now or like what's what's the way you get yourself in that mind frame because I feel like that's probably one of the most maybe even more than getting in front of the camera the most uh anxiety filled moments <laughs> for an actor I don't know how was it for you yeah you know so back then I was just all about memorizing and trying to say things as convincingly as possible mm-hmm. it, um I can't really think of an example off the top of my head but you know, you'd, you would hear somebody say a line a certain way and you would try to say that you try to say things the way that somebody cool says something, Mm -hmm. or you would try to be affected the way that somebody, you know, emotionally does that, you know, so it was really just acting now, um, a much more about reading, uh, a script over and over and just come, coming up with as much information as I can mm-hmm. and as much back information, as much subtext, what's really going on in this story as opposed to the line. Sometimes when I'm reading a script, I'll, I'll stop and I'll pick up another book uh, that reminds me of, of that. You know, when I was yeah. preparing to play uh, Luke for cryptid um, instead of, you know, just focusing on my lines that I had to do. I was really paying attention to, um, I was, I was studying, I was going out on, uh, gator tours and asking questions oh, since cool. it was a show that was dealing with, uh, mysterious stuff. I was asking questions, um, about, you know, the haunted stories they heard growing up in that area. Yeah. yeah. And I, I just look for as much subtext as I can and try to make it as, as personal as I can. Yeah, so you can kind of just embody that character instead of focusing on the lines. Right. And then, you know, sometimes you get a script, or if it's for an audition, sometimes, you know, it happens rarely for me, but it happens where you'll get an audition at 11 o'clock in the morning. You'll find out, hey, you got an audition, and they were <laughs> there at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So you have to make really quick decisions. Yeah. Or you show up for something that you've had a week to prepare for, and then while you're there, they say, no, 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 not that. You know, here's you know, sides for a different role altogether. So then you just, you, you have to trust yourself. You have to really listen to the other person and, and, and make, make quick decisions, Mm -hmm. you know, know sort of the tone of the story that helps, but really the best thing that you have going for you in a situation like that is just really listening, really listen to the other person and allow yourself to be affected as you would in that situation. Yeah. Do you think fear is a big factor in, in like stilting that and keeping you from being able to listen? I, yeah, I, I do for sure. I think some, 
I th- as a matter of fact, I think when you start getting fearful, it's probably because you're trying to put a result on uh-huh. what you're trying to do, you know, and you're thinking, wow, there's so many people here. There's 30 people there, or this job could change my life. It's such a big, it's such a big thing. If I could just get this job, yeah. I could maybe get a better agent or, or get the exposure where Steven Spielberg will hire me. Uh-huh. That's making so, me know, feel under pressure just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's what we do. That's self-sabotage. So the best thing, and, and I think anybody really, anybody that I know, I, I have a lot of friends who are working actors, you know, the more, opportunity you get to go into a room and practice you know dealing with your fear the better you you mm, get at comfortable it you become. but i think it's really just about focusing on the work what do i want in this scene and what's the other person giving me mm-hmm. because if you're focused on yourself and results then i i don't see how it can't bring anything but but fear yeah exactly so maybe going back a little bit um how, what what kind of jobs did you start getting in Orlando, and how did that lead to you moving to L.A.? Did you always know you wanted to move out there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I wanted to move to Los Angeles since, you know, like when I was 12 years old and I was mm-hmm. going through that stuff that I was telling you about, I was ready to move out here. Um, I, I, I had uh, one of the first things I booked, I, I can't remember, a, a spec commercial on the back lot of uh, – of MGM studios at the time. Now I think it's called Hollywood studios, but it was MGM at the time in, in Orlando. Yeah. And they, some bank like West Palm, a bank out of West Palm did a commercial there and they spent quite a bit of money. And it was really cool to be there in that fake town, you know, with the faux <laughs> walls and like the New York building and stuff and just really feeling, uh, it was a great feeling. To was that be kind of there. your first like real on set movie type figure? It, it, it was, yeah, as, as an actor and for something that I auditioned for, it really was. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then shortly after that, I got a job on a, uh, it was a Western auto commercial and it was the same thing. It was, you know, I, something I went in and auditioned for, it was a horrible audition <laughs> and I was, I was so nervous in the audition. I, I just remember like I could feel every muscle in my face cause I was thinking, what do they want me to do? And uh-huh you know, what, what do I do to get the job? And I was just completely like frozen. I remember the director saying, smile, Brit, <laughs> because I was, he had me doing an improv with a girl and he wanted me to talking to her about some product. I don't even remember all the details, but back then I would journal everything after I would go into an audition. I remember saying, this is the worst thing in the world. I've been taking acting classes and I was going to go read everything to my acting teacher because I was going to blame him uh, for that horrible audition. You didn't prepare me for this. You know, this is the real world. So this is kind of your venting after you go to the journal and just kind of let it all come out. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and also be able to look at it and see, yeah. you know, what can I improve? And, um, anyways, I ended up getting that job and it really threw me for a loop. I couldn't understand why they hired me because it was the worst experience of my life. And, and I remember the other thing when I was in the waiting room, I remember you could hear the guys talking one guy. Yeah. I just got back from New York where I was doing this. And you hear this other guy, well, I just got back from the Royal Academy of Shakespeare. Uh, they're all trying to impress with previous work basically. <laughs> yeah. And, and maybe they were being serious and, but me hearing that I was thinking, Oh, I'm not, I don't have the experience to compete yeah, with these. Yeah. So put me in my, in my head. And, uh, that probably and actually turned and turned them off from those people. <laughs> 
Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe. I, you know, it, the funny thing is, uh, you know, I felt like I learned about commercials that a lot of it was a look. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. And maybe I just kind of had a, a, a decent look that fit that. But plus, they cast so many vignettes in that thing, so they probably hired all of us. I don't, <laughs> I don't remember. Um, but yeah, so that that was a good taste. But then what happened was there was you know I didn't do anything for another six months. I was just in acting class, mm-hmm. and it, so I was waiting for stuff to happen, you know. And I, I back then actually I started doing plays and stuff like that. I was doing dinner theater, and really just loving that. So I always felt like I was doing something. And then eventually I just started booking more and more commercials. Uh, Nickelodeon came to Universal Studios uh-huh. and they set up shop there. So I got to work on some of those shows down in Miami. Uh, I was driving down there quite a bit for auditions and doing stuff, working on some movies down there and doing commercials down there, just smaller roles, but staying busy. Yeah. Yeah. And it was great. And the idea was you do the commercials so that you can make residuals mm-hmm. so that you can afford to do the movies that would come like every six months or, or whatever, you know, every, every six to eight months. Yeah. Um, and there wasn't as much indie stuff going on back then. It wasn't as easy to do it as it is now. Do you know if there's much indie going on in Florida right now? Oh, I think so. I think they're pretty busy. Um, as far as that goes, because yeah. because there's a great film school there. It's a community college called Valencia, mm-hmm. and a lot of bigger projects go there and work through those programs there. And I think Full Sail has one also, yeah. and they'll do some projects through there. But I just think that you have hungry actors there, and I think when you have hungry actors, I think now with the ability to own a nice DLSR camera uh-huh. and mic – and to just do it. Yeah, exactly. If they want it bad enough, they could just make their own, really. <laughs> yeah. And you know, and the pressure's on you that it still has to be good. Yeah. You know, you have to make it good story. The story's got to be really good and strong. And I know there's a good thriving um uh, uh theater community there as well. So what what was the decision maker to get you going out to LA? When where were you in your career? Well, I I always knew that I wanted to come out to Los Angeles, but one thing came about, I, I used to read the backstage West when I lived in Orlando and what's that, um, backstage West is a, it's sort of an actor trade magazine Uh and they had the backstage West, which was Los Angeles. And they also had the backstage East for, for New York at the time. And now I think they're combined. And it would it would give you information on who's working and interviews with casting directors and agents and all that good stuff. And it kind of helped me feel like I was part of mm-hmm. the community. And when I, you know, I felt like once I got out here, I would know who to, you know, try to tap into yeah. and work with. But they they did an issue for some of the different schools around the country or actually around the world and where was good places to study. And one of the places was a uh, summer program they were doing in New York called the new actors workshop. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, run by uh, Mike Nichols, Paul Seals. Paul Seals um, was a great improv guy and another guy named George Morrison. And these guys just have fantastic pedigrees and theater and, you know, Mike Nichols with all the movies that he was a part of and, so I applied to get into that uh, 
program there for a summer. And I did and went to New York, had a great time. Felt like I, I felt like I was an actor after that for the first time in my life. I, I really felt like, okay, I've got all these tools now. Yeah. And, and then I went back to Florida. I worked a little bit more as an actor while I was, you know, saving money and prepping for my Los Angeles move. And finally, just uh, a chain of events happened. Um, a guy that I had taken acting classes with actually moved out here to Los Angeles and he was roomating with somebody and he had come back to Orlando and needed somebody to sublet his room. Uh-huh. And that's, that's really what, that's really what gave me the kind of okay. an opening. <laughs> yeah. Cause if it wasn't for that, I, I, I think I know, I know I would have eventually come out, but I probably would have come out for a month or two mm-hmm. and nobody would have called me. Nobody would have wanted anything to do with me. So I probably would have just went back home maybe, but yeah. had yeah. you ever been out there prior to this? I had come out for like a week yeah. and drove, drove around. I brought headshots with me and VHS demo reels oh, cool. with me because <laughs> I was going to go over to all the big studios and I was going to drop them off and, that didn't happen. <laughs> so I just drove around and went out to Venice beach. Yeah. Saw the drove sights. up and down Melrose. Yeah. And, uh, and, and loved it. You know, yeah. I knew, I knew that I had to get out here. So, so what I was eventually... it like when you first got out there? Were you, were you kind of nervous? Was there, um, I don't know. Did you have any anxiety? Was it hard getting jobs? I guess maybe, maybe talk a little bit about your experience and then, if you have any tips for like people that are maybe just moving out there based yeah, on your experience. Sure. Um, yeah. You know what, when I first got out here, um, when I pulled up to the place, the old Coenga motel is what I call it. They tore it down, but it was this, uh, this cool little apartment where I was subletting the room. When I pulled up a guy who was jogging past me on the sidewalk was the, a guy who was the star of a movie that I had done in Florida just two years before oh, really? that. And it was the craziest thing. I thought, that's a sign. It's a sign <laughs> of something. Oh, my gosh. That's so cool. <laughs> so I, I went up in the apartment, unloaded my truck, and then just had no idea what to do with myself for the, you know, yeah, for the f- yeah. following weeks. I, so I just immediately did – what I, I feel and what I recommend to everybody is you get involved in an acting class mm-hmm. because you're around other like-minded people. And, and, you know, when I, like I said, when I left New York, I really felt like by that point that I knew all I needed to know about acting. And now I'm convinced that if you're not working, you still need to be in a class, you know, yeah. cause it's a muscle. It's like going to the gym. It's not that you're, you're just trying different things out, uh-huh. you know? And so that's what I did. I got right into an acting class and it was a fantastic teacher. I thought I was just going to, you know, take her class for a month or two and then start working as an actor. I was, yeah, I was with her for five years and a movie that I did just a couple months ago. I worked with her as a coach on it before I went to, you know, as I was prepping for the role and she was, she was just amazing, had quite a pedigree, but, um, yeah, it was, it was crazy. I really thought, that with the resume that I had built between theater and commercials and, and the film and television work mm-hmm. I had done, I had done some stuff and I was making an okay living back, back East. 
But once I got here, I could not get an agent to call me back. I couldn't get a casting director to call me back. I think it was six months before I got my first audition. <clears throat> wow. But what I did back then, everybody would get their, it's called the breakdowns. And the breakdowns are basically the classified for actors for all the roles. Mm -hmm. So if, you, if back then, it would be, you know, you get like NYPD Blue and whatever other shows were on and a couple movies that were coming out, <clears throat> you'd get them every day and they would be emailed to my roommate over where I was staying. They would email them to him and then he would go through them and then he would let me look through them and I would go through and look at all the ones that looked like it was good for me. Yeah. And I would write down the address, stuff my head shot into an envelope and head over to somewhere like the Fox lot on Pico and drop off my headshot. Uh -huh. it, dry, that's how I got to know my way around Los Angeles doing that. We didn't have the GPS back then. We had a Thomas guide. And, yeah, that's true. I couldn't imagine moving out to LA without <laughs> GPS. Oh uh, man, I would make, make my roommate crazy. I'd call him up. Hey, I'm, I'm over in this place. I have no idea where I am. He says, Hey, look, <laughs> look at your Thomas guide. He'd say, turn left to your Thomas guide yeah. because he, you know, you just had to do it to figure out your way around and, yeah, my cousin, that, when I moved out there, they still had their giant Thomas guy out there. It's, I, you know, if I had an iPhone, life would have been so much easier mm -hmm. back then. But, you know, I did. I learned my way around. And it was nice. And you always felt like when you're driving around. So I'd wake up in the mornings. I'd drive around, drop off headshots and all these places. And then I'd just go home and wait for the phone to ring. Uh-huh. And, you know, six months waiting for the phone to ring. So I thought, this ain't working. And I can't remember the first audition I got. Um, I'd have to think hard on it, but you know, it was about six months. Oh, it was for uh, Spider-Man. Oh, really? Yeah, it was for Spider-Man. For yeah, it was a bank robber scene, and yeah. I got called in for that. And that, you know, I felt like okay, well, that was worth it. I got uh -huh. the audition for Spider-Man, whether you get it or not. I just felt like I was part of the game. Yeah, you're starting to starting to make some progress. I think that's a big part of it is just growing your circle of friends out there and getting to know people and. I mean, until you really, it's like any business really, but it's, you know, they always say it's, it's not what you know, it's who you know. It is what you know, but it's also a lot who you know, because no one wants to hire someone that they have no, no clue about, because there's so many posers out there. And <laughs> I feel like yeah. acting, especially there's got to be, that's probably, probably the most amount of people are out there to act and it's got to be really competitive. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. You know, w whenever I go back home and I go to a coffee shop in Florida, in the middle of the afternoon, there's nobody there. Yeah. It's, it's empty. People stop there in, in the mornings, but in the afternoon, it's pretty slow. Here, you go into a coffee shop, it's slammed. Yeah, and, it's like a thriving uh, community yeah. there. So there's there's a lot of people, a lot, a lot of writers and stuff. That's another thing. When I first got here, um, some people had given me some advice. They said, you know, see if you can intern at a casting office mm -hmm. and, you know, be a reader for you know casting director and file their stuff and i i didn't want to do that because i always knew if i was handing out five headshots a day through the through the breakdowns as i said yeah i just knew that my break was coming uh-huh so i was afraid if i got involved with a you know in a casting office that i would be stuck in that commitment yeah maybe and, talk uh, about that a little bit I don't, how how were you financially when you came out there did you have enough saved up that you can go for a while and um, was was your rent low enough? My my rent was was pretty low. Um, um, 
when we took this place, it's actually a really funny story. I so I took this apartment um, to sublet the room. Well, mm-hmm. it was another actor in Orlando. He wanted to come out as well. So we said, okay, here's what we'll do. We'll go out there. We'll sublet the room for a month, and then we'll get our own place. And we figured one guy would sleep on the couch, one guy would get the bedroom, and yeah. then the other roommate was in the other bedroom. Well, when we got out there, the other roommate said, no, you guys – <laughs> yeah, you both of you in that bedroom. Nobody gets the couch, <laughs> so he ends up on an air mattress because he nice. was a good guy. <laughs> and uh, and I I took the bed. It was like you know, kind of like kids in camp. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, I had I had done a bunch of commercials, so I had residuals coming in. Oh, okay, and that, that helped. That was helping sustain me. And then I had a day job in Orlando for a long time, and um my mom was, was pretty bright and she told me to sign up for this 401k. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the idea of the 401k is never to cash it in, but I had, I cashed it in and used <laughs> that money to come out here. Yeah. Cause I feel and, like that's one of the mistakes people make is they, they get out there, they might have a place that's too expensive and then they get in, they get in a job that doesn't allow them to actually go out and take gigs or anything. And, you know, five years later, they're just working this job and, <laughs> wondering what they're doing wrong out there right so yeah i was just kind of curious about how you made it work um maybe let's skip ahead now to i'm I'm curious about the cryptid show because you were working on that when i first met you uh maybe talk a little bit about how you got into that and how what was it like i mean it's it's kind of presented as like a reality show but obviously it was it was hired actors and and did you guys have a script or was it more of like an improv type thing and you just had a character to go off and kind of a basic story? Let me give a little bit about what, what that show experience was like for you. Right. Well, it, it was, you know, they, it, it was presented as, um, documentary, mm-hmm. you know, crypto was really interesting because what they did is they took, they took, um, found footage, and documentary mm-hmm. and reality and they fused them all together and came up with you know what they what they did and uh it was real interesting um i remember going in for the i remember getting the audition for that and it was for a lead and in a pilot uh-huh. and they they described this character that i just thought was really cool and i thought it fit me really well and i thought ah, they're gonna get a name I'm not even going to go yeah. in and audition for yeah. it. Oh, so you, almost, it, you, you almost didn't even do it. <laughs> I almost didn't do it, right. Because I just, I just felt that I didn't have a chance. Yeah. And, um, and then I thought about it, and I said, no, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. But they wanted me to come in, and they wanted me to do an improv in character. Mm-hmm. So I... Um, like I said, you know, you look for subtext. So what I did is I created this backstory because I had no idea what they were going to ask me. Mm-hmm. So I just started coming up with stuff from my own life that I could use in other stories. But I really just thought thought it through everything that I could possibly come yeah. up with. What did, what and, did they give you in terms of information for the character? Was it- um, you know, I still have it all somewhere, but um, it's uh, – I'm going to see if I can find it while we're talking uh, th- that it was a guy that was born and raised in, in the Bayou. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, boy, I think I found it. Yeah. So it was going by another name back then. And 
it had this this the character was Luke Baptiste, a gator nuisance man, uh, lead, big, charming smile, but he knows he's in a dangerous business, but he's really warm and robust, and he uh, folks feel safe when they're around him because he knows how to handle handle animals. Mm-hmm. He's the son of a trapper, and he grew up in the bayou, so he knows the life really well. It, and he's an open-minded skeptic. So the skeptic was um, – because the show was was dealing with um, you know supernatural stuff that mm-hmm. was going on out in the bayou, and what they were, I, I thought they came up with something really really great. They needed a character that could get them into the bayou. Yeah, you know, get them, in, and I, I don't mean navigate the bayou, but deal with all the other people, the town folks, because normally you would just you know have a cop or authority deal with these people that are reporting, you know, Bigfoot running through the backyard. Yeah, exactly. But nobody wants anything to do with the police there. Uh-huh. But a guy that grew up, you know, on their soil, they they, they could trust. Yeah, so that's you what kind they of did. identify with them and work your way in a little bit easier. Yeah. So so they put a documentary film crew with this particular character who was their end to get into to this this town. And um it was, I mean, it was fascinating. I, I loved, I, when I went in for the audition, I, I thought to myself, I thought, you know, I don't know what I'm going to say. Yeah. I have no idea what I'm going to say, but they're not going to cast me. But they're going <laughs> to end up taking some of the stuff that I say, and they're going to use it. And you can actually get paid for that, right? Well, in theory. yeah, yeah <laughs> some people do stuff like that. You know, you're not, you know, you, you can get paid for it and stuff. And I was just, I thought, you know, what if I say something just great and they use it and yeah. turn it into like part of their show? <laughs> so, so I turned my iPhone on and recorded my audition. Uh huh. But I turned it on like 30 minutes before I even went into the room because I didn't want to, I didn't want to be aware of it. Yeah. I, 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 I wanted to forget it. it was on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I kind of wanted to be in character, and they wanted a guy from that uh, that region, and I was I was trying this uh, Cajun accent, yeah. And I thought I, I thought I was going to do it, and I was trying to stay in that Cajun accent. And uh, when I got into the room, maybe I was a little nervous because uh-huh. I didn't know what what to expect uh, necessarily by way of questions or what we're going to talk about. So I went into my natural accent, uh-huh. which is much more southern, and. Um, and they proceeded to ask me questions for like 15 minutes and I was telling stories and I didn't feel like I missed a beat. You know, just, it felt really great. So they would just ask questions to your character and you would just kind of make up something based on the backstory that you created. Exactly. Oh, cool. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And ask, asking me about you know, my parents, asking me what it was like, you know, how, how I made a living and, and just this, I, I had a lot of experience doing that, working with, uh, uh, this one acting coach I worked with out here, Sharon Chatton, she was real big on us doing improvs and mm-hmm. creating, you know, realities from that and backstories from that. So, I, so I had experience doing it, but it was it was just so interesting to take it into a room and and really surprise myself yeah. with with where it went. And that's even before I got the job. I felt great and I was so glad that I went on the audition. And I really didn't think I was going to get it, nor really care, because that experience in itself was just was good at that yeah, point. Yeah, you just felt good about the audition as its own thing yeah and then then i get a call a couple days later from the executive producer and he he says i had long hair at the time Uh that's right and he said you want to uh you want to go down to louisiana and do this and he was such a nice guy and 
And uh, would you cut your hair? I said, well, yeah, I'll cut it, <laughs> I guess. And yeah, next thing you know, we're down there. But it was it was great. They had a fantastic team, the director, uh, the producers that were all involved. Um, I mean, for such a small crew, you know, like we were talking about the independent film crews yeah. earlier, it's the same thing with, with this television show. They had such a small crew, but it's still, this is a big, you know, there's a lot of money and a lot at stake uh-huh. here. And, you know, a schedule, and they were responsible for delivering this show to a network. And um, it, it was just, it was really cool. But what we would get um, were these real rough outlines. Uh, I, I, I say they were real rough. They were actually very well thought through outlines yeah. of, of a show. You're kind of like reading like, you know, the, the hot points of every scene all the way through and they were just they were so cool they were so well done the guy that had put them together just did such a good job and i would read them and i was like like wow i get to do this you know that's cool and i only knew that i was doing it like in an improv fashion and then what they would do is they would spring a script on us um if we were lucky you know lots of times i was getting a script the night before because they were always working on it but we'd get it a couple days before and learn it but i i knew so much about the character by that point that you can kind of just run with it a little bit yeah and and i listened to these uh dave robichaud uh books on tape to to learn a lot about that area and and that um dave robichaud is uh it's it's sort of a crime uh james lee Burke actually is the guy who writes this character, Dave Robichaud. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's this uh, detective in the French quarter. And uh, so I I would listen to Will Patton, read these different characters and just kind of hear about those areas. And I would create these backstories off of that stuff because even though we were scripted, we we could go off script as much as we want. Yeah. They gave us so much, so much freedom and we would do these 10 minute long takes I mean, it it was just, it was one of the greatest experiences. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. You get to experiment a little bit and and just do something cool. That's, it seems like in the, in recent years that that whole area of the world has just been, people are kind of interested in it. You know, it's just a different culture that a lot of people haven't seen, kind of the mix with the Cajun and the Southern. And it's, yeah, it's pretty cool. The True Detective, that was a great show that kind of took place there too. So. <laughs> Yeah, and we were there the same time they were. Yeah, that's cool. And um, yeah, it's it's so cool. I love True Detective, but when we watch when I watched that show, we had no idea what they were doing. But we there was some of that tone in there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I felt like we captured some of that tone, so I felt like that was a a compliment yeah, uh, yeah. to us and to the area because it's just it's so beautiful. It looks it just photographs so well. Cool. So moving ahead a little bit, um, maybe we just dive into to some stuff like uh, fears and habits and rituals. I'm kind of curious. I know you, we talked about fear a little bit before, but is there like a biggest obstacle or fear that you that you had to overcome throughout your acting career? Like, is there a kind of a pivotal moment where you could have maybe maybe not went through with all of this or missed an opportunity that you that you managed to overcome? Anything that kind of stands out? Yeah, you know, uh, interesting question. Um, <clears throat> as far as fear, it, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm just real hard headed, and <laughs> and maybe don't don't get it. Um, 
right at the time that I got cryptid and I said that I almost didn't go on that audition, mm-hmm. I, I was I, I was in a um not a not a low point. I'm a pretty optimistic person, but I was really questioning whether I'm in the right place doing the right thing yeah. because you can go so long without without working and um and you know, there's so many cool roles that you see you know passing by you that you want to try to you know get in on and read for mm-hmm. and i was really struggling to get auditions at that point <clears throat> i i can't remember the last audition i i had had at that point maybe it was man it it, it had been a while and um a good eight months maybe oh wow and and um so it just kind of starts to wear on you after a while and you start doubting. Yeah. Doubting and just think, you know, you make a, a lot. I made a lot of sacrifices to, to be here, mm-hmm. you know, sacrifice of being with uh, family back East and, and um, being here. And I, I like it here, but I specifically came out here, you know, to pursue acting. And, and on top of that, that led to producing and that led to writing and it led to a lot of other, other things. And, so I felt like I was doing more of the producing, I guess, and I really wanted to do more of the acting. Yeah. And so I was just in a place like, do I really want to be here pursuing this and doing this? And uh, so it wasn't fear, but it was just it, it was just trying to, you know, to get those answers. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was looking for a sign to to leave here. Um, you know, if had somebody called me up from Florida and said, listen, we got a job for you. It's, it's not an acting job. It's, you know, it's, you know, working, you know, managing, you know, a clothing store and we're going to pay you this much money. I probably would have said, okay, uh, I'm in. I, I would have taken that as, as a, as a sign. Yeah. So you're kind of just teetering right, right on in between there. <laughs> yeah. And then, and encrypted came right then. That's when I saw it. And I, I almost missed it. Yeah. And, and then I said, no, I'll, I'll, I'll go for, it. I'll go for it. I'll go in and audition for it. So it wasn't fear based. It was just, you know, your, your wheels are spinning. Mm-hmm. Am I doing the right thing? You know, so many people, and sometimes I'm, I guess if I'm fearful, it's that I'm this guy that you just do the same thing. You know, what do they say? What's that saying? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different yeah, results. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I don't want to be that guy mm-hmm. um, that's just doing the same thing. I want to, I want to mix it up. And, and, and this business, one of the hard things is a lot of people don't tell you no, no's a lot easier to, to take yeah a lot of people just don't answer you they don't get back to you they don't return the emails and yeah that's what i've heard from other people that do a lot of acting auditions it's like you're just waiting for the call and you don't get a call that says no you just don't get a call at all yeah (laughs) yeah you don't get that and then you know it goes as a writer i've had some scripts that i've worked really hard Mm -hmm. to get on people's desks and you know sometimes you can't get them to call you back other times you can i always appreciate the people that can and i want to be that guy yeah that that will call somebody back. Um, so, you know, I, I guess, so I always say if I'm fearful of something, I, I guess that's what it would be. Yeah. Um, that, that I'm not, you know, putting in the work. I really think that's the other thing, you know, actors in my experience can get, and myself included, you know, very lazy and complacent and waiting mm-hmm. for the phone to ring. And, and that's really why, you know, 
if you want to be an actor, really, you have the opportunity to to act, and that means just get somebody else with you and go put up a scene somewhere. Yeah, just stay proactive and keep working on your skill. Yeah, and you know, do a play, put up a play, rent a theater. Um, you know, get get your iPhone camera and shoot a, a web video. Yeah. That's the stuff I'm big on now. You know, I people do ask me for advice all the time, and I always advise get into a class, but I also advise um, get into a writing class, mm-hmm. get into a directing class, because um, as an actor, it's really cool to be around those people. You know, be yeah, one of those true. actors, become friends with writers and directors, and <laughs> yeah, and, and plus and, learning both you know all sides of the the craft kind of informs you right. as an actor. And, and they need actors, mm-hmm. you know. Exactly. You know, they're, if if they're if they're hungry, they're going to be shooting stuff and writing stuff. So they're going to need actors for their table reads. Do you have any habits or rituals? I mean, you're kind of hitting on some of this stuff, but things that you you do on a daily basis to kind of keep you in the right mindset or keep honing your skill. Um. Yeah. I, I, I like to work out. I have to run. Mm-hmm. I'm big. I'm big on running, um, or or just getting outside and getting a good workout in, because um, that helps me concentrate. I f- I find, um, um, you know, I like to. I, I wonder if I have any habits that I don't realize. <laughs> you know, some people, yeah. some people are are, are kind of weird with the habits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I like to. Yeah, um, I, I'm a man of faith. Mm-hmm. I, I like to I, I like to uh, you know read scripture and seek out different scripture and really, um, really try to take a an approach to a, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Yeah, am yeah. I putting my time and energies where they need to be? And and how are they affecting other people? Uh-huh. You know, and and because hopefully hopefully you're affecting people in a positive way or uplifting way. Yeah, that's true. That's so I stuff. try to pay attention to that. I don't think I have any, I don't think I have any weird habits. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it doesn't have to be a weird habit, like <laughs> yeah, brushing but, but your I... toes or something. I don't... <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I'm prepping for a role, mm-hmm. if I have the lines, you know, I'll get kind of some rituals going with that, I guess. Yeah. Um, like I like to uh, record my lines so I can listen to it, my lines and the other person's lines. And so I can listen to it. And I like to go out and take that out into the world with me. I like to go on a hike with it. Um, I've got a pool table. I like to shoot pool while I'm listening to it and yeah. kind of meditating on stuff like that um, to help get that down. Mm-hmm. Just kind of you absorb know? it in different ways. Yeah, you do. And then your mind will kind of drift and you know, you'll hear something, you'll hear it slightly different. And when I say drift, I'll start thinking about uh, subtext. Mm-hmm. And more than anything, that's what I'm driven by is getting into the subtext. That's what makes it fun and cool for me. Cool. Do you have any books or movies that you seem to recommend a lot to other people? Are there any that stand out that are kind of your favorite? Yeah. um, For books, um, I'm actually in a class right now with this great lady named Judith Weston. And she's got a book out called Directing Actors. And then she's got. Oh, yeah. I think I've read that book. That's yeah, she it's it's amazing. I was reading the book. I I would refer to it over the years for the past 10 years. And then a few years ago, I said, I wonder where she is. Uh I mean, like, what if she's here in Los Angeles and I could take a class with her? So I look her up on the Internet and sure enough, she's 
you know, not far from me. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> over in Culver City. So I signed up, took a class with her, and I'm in another one with her now. I think I think this is going to be her last class, mm-hmm. but she'll still do coaching. <clears throat> and this year, she had two people nominated for Oscars, uh, the director of Birdman. Oh, yeah. And the director from uh, Selma. Wow. Those were both uh, students of hers. Last year, 12 Years a Slave, the director of that was a student of hers. She really works with some some great people. Yeah. and. You know, and and what's interesting about that is she's working with directors. Well, why are directors go into her? Because you know they're just like us as actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not not necessarily insecure, but they're looking for a way to communicate yeah. with actors. You know, yeah. a lot of directors may be very technical and know camera angles and lenses and 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 pacing, um, and they try to convey that. But sometimes they don't convey. It. Um, sometimes they they'll make a suggestion suggestion to you, and it's not very clear. Yeah. And to be clear, you, you need to, I think, understand the way actors think. Yeah, and and everyone, all the every actor, I'm sure, is has a different personality or way of working on their craft. So it's kind of learning learning the ways to communicate to different people too. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and there's so much, there's so much. Sometimes you talk to people, just imagination. Some, sometimes you share a story mm-hmm. from your own personal life. Um, it could be, um, an as if, and I like as ifs and I like verbs a lot mm-hmm. and, you know, just kind of, you know, talking about things, but if you're in a hurry and as if, or a verb works really fast, you know, you know, in this scene, I want you to flirt with her mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, or I want you to conjole her into, you know, joining the, your gang. Yeah. What's, and, uh, what's, uh, what's considered like a bad directing direction? <laughs> do, you, um, do you know off the top of your head? Just talking too much, I think. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you can, because you're so passionate and you know it, you know the story and, you know, so many directors are, I, I think their passion can, can get in the way. Sometimes they... Yeah. They'll just give you way too much information, uh, and you got to trust well, that your actor is gonna take take that word or two you give them and turn it into something. Right, exactly. Yeah. I, I really think that's what it is, and and you know everybody's different, so figure out what people's uh, learning style mm-hmm. is, and then um, if I get around a director that's too too much of a micromanager, um, that's really hard. Yeah. Also, <laughs> you know, also you're trying to help them you know with yeah, their definitely. vision but at the same time you know trying not to be a puppet trying to yeah, bring exactly. your creative integrity to it awesome well there's probably like a million other questions that i could ask you and maybe we could do another one of these one of these days but uh i think uh wrap it up and uh maybe give everyone a place that they can kind of follow you and i don't know if you're on twitter or you have a website or anything that they can check, check i out. Yeah, I am on Twitter actually, and um, I'm just trying to get familiar with it. But I am Brit George, so it's like that at, at I am Brit George. George. Okay, yeah, I am Brit George. And then I also have a Facebook page set up called Official Brit George. It's so official, isn't it? <laughs> cool. And and on those, um, I'll I'll try to share, and I've been trying to share. I have a movie that was just released recently so i try to share that information where to find that movie and you know trailers from that and then the next one that's coming out and then awesome. as well um at when heels comes out i like to i like to keep people posted what's the one that just came out what's the name of that one 
It's called Welcome to Inspiration. Okay. And it was it was just released uh, on January twentieth, and they've um, they keep selling out on Amazon and at video stores, so that's really cool. You know, they sell out and they have to wait for the orders to come back in. That's awesome. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Britt. I really appreciate this. My pleasure. Great talking with you, John. All the best to you, brother. All right, thanks. All right, you can follow me, John Jerko, at John Jerko on Twitter and Instagram, and find out more about Odyssey and Muse, including the show notes for each episode at odysseyandmuse.com. But most importantly, go to iTunes and subscribe and rate the show. That's how the show gets noticed and grows. So thank you for listening, and until next time, follow your true north.